everyone. Welcome back to Dad Space. You know, the podcast for dads by dads. And look, lo and behold, I found another dad to come join me and talk about all things dad. See, how many times can I say dad? I don't know, a lot. Uh, Matthew's here with me, uh, taking a little break from nursing his family. What a great dad. Uh, Matthew, welcome to Dad Space. Glad to have you here. Thank you, Dave. It's going to be fun today. I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) It's good. Uh, Yes, you're taking care of your family, which is nice of you. Um, Tell everybody where you are, Matthew, in this big world of ours. So... I come from Long Island, New York. Uh, I'm a marriage and family therapist. Uh, I've been doing work in the mental health field for going on 14 years now. Uh, I've done everything from working with foster care kids to working in a group home with families, providing therapy for them. I've done private practice and I'm working on my own private practice on the side at this time. Uh, And currently I am mostly working with homeless veterans in need of mental health services and housing stability. So that's been the past six years I've been doing that. Well, I've had some um, vets on the show and to hear some of their stories and connect with them. They're just like super amazing people. There's something special about anyone that feels that calling to serve their country the way they have. I just, there's something special about those people. I just, I love it. Uh, What's your connection with them? Why, why is that so important for you? Mm-hmm. So my father and my uncle were both veterans in Vietnam. Uh, my father sadly passed away in, in 2011. Uh, it was ultimately determined to be from Agent Orange exposure. He went up with lung cancer. Um, so I've always had veterans in my life. My Both of my grandparents were World War II veterans as well. My grandfathers, I should say. Uh, so it, it hasn't been a pervasive thing in my family, but that, that effect that military service has had on the father figures in my life was pretty profound. Um, My father wasn't much to talk about all of the nitty gritty, but he worked, he was a a medic in Vietnam. So he had some stories about some of the, the experience he had trying to help people out who had, you know, who were shot or who lost limbs. And it was, it was traumatic for him. And he went into the medical field after leaving uh, the military and he was an x-ray technician for about 30 years before he passed away. So he took something that was profoundly difficult for him and traumatic and turned it into something something positive that really helped a lot of people. So I think wow. I took some of that from him as well. Yeah. Well, like, oh, the, the things they would see and the things they would experience just mentally, I can't imagine what's going on inside of you and then not being able to explain it to people who weren't there. Right. And I guess that explains the bond that veterans have with each other Mm -hmm. is they don't have to say stuff. They can just be in the room and they just know that the other person knows, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. They had that exact connection. My my father wasn't the most talkative. My uncle was a little more open about it. But with each other, they felt comfortable enough to share their experiences or, or what they were going through, which my dad necessarily couldn't with other people. Yeah. As I know, for me, it's kind of in a similar vein, a little different. But for when I was growing up, uh, one of my dad's friends was a, in the U.S., you'd call them state troopers. But in Canada, we call them like provincial police here in Canada. And he worked for the Ontario Provincial Police. So I grew up with this larger than life man who would come by to see my dad all the time in all these different police vehicles. He drove me once to school in a SWAT van, just the two of us. And there's like bullets rolling down the floor between us. And I'm just like, 
And I was the coolest kid for 10 minutes at school, right? Because when the SWAT van shows up, it's like, what the heck is that? So, um, but I grew up with this as a normal part of my life that that's a person to respect for what they do and who they are, how they put their life out there for people. And so whenever I would see a police officer when I was a kid coming to like a coffee shop or something, I would feel like telling my dad, we should go buy their coffee. You know, he's like, yeah. they're probably getting free coffee. Don't worry about it. But I just, there was something about that person and who they were, a firefighter, paramedic, that as a kid, I was just, I was drawn to them because of who they were and having that level of respect, which unfortunately I don't see quite as much today, you know, for veterans and for first responders. So I just, I loved the awe of, wow. That's a fill in the blank, right? I can't, Im yeah. I, I just, I, I want my, I try to raise my kids with respect for people in those roles the same way. Again, because I think it's so, it's so powerful, right? It's so powerful. Yeah. And it's interesting. You talk about how that respect isn't necessarily there either now or as much as it used to be with a lot of the veterans I'm working with the agency specifically that I fall under is looking to expand that mental health housing. And, and it's surprising to see the level of pushback some of the communities are giving because they have these preconceived notions of what a veteran acts like once they've returned from whatever their service might be. They expect um, heavy drug use or such significant mental health issues that it disrupts their community. And it's, it's unfortunate to see the level of pushback that happens with things like that when i see these guys and, and these men and women on a daily basis and i don't see that i know what they're like i know what they're going through and even though i can't say i've experienced the same things that they've experienced i can certainly sympathize and they're people just like us and people who don't have that direct experience sometimes just don't see it that way which is unfortunate yeah i remember just scrolling through social media as we all do. And I was, I saw a clip of a, a truck on the side of the road and a police officer at the passenger window in the body cam footage of a vet, veteran who was, had just lost it in the front seat of the car, just crying and sobbing and dealing with something traumatic, obviously from the past. And the police officer, also a veteran talking him through it, you know, I'm there for you. I, I understand. I'm here. Just re I got you. You know, and I'm like, what a moment, right? Like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh. Like I get like tingles talking about it, but mm -hmm. just the fact that we don't know what people are struggling with as we pass them in the hallways and on the street, sitting beside them at the red light. You don't know what that person is dealing with right now. And I think all of us humans could be a lot kinder with each other, right? And yeah. I think if we have conversations like this, I'm hoping that things like this make people go, if they're listening in the car right now and you're sitting at the lights and there's a car beside you, there's a person over there that could be really struggling right now. And that person could have done something to protect you that you don't even know them. So... Think of how Absolutely kind true. you can be today and what you can do to to kind of help that person just in how you show up, I guess. Yeah. Anything else that we can do for those who haven't served to kind of understand how to connect with people who have? Mm -hmm. The biggest thing and, and something 
that I'm putting on my website a little more as I'm writing some additional blog entries talking about different skills, um, listening skills that could be used really in, in so many different instances. And I think that's one of the biggest things, whether you're dealing with somebody who's served or not, is just listening and listening without judgment. And that's a skill that takes a lot of time to really develop and practice and utilize and eventually hopefully become second nature. But we tend to listen and, and there are times where we're thinking or even unconscious or subconsciously thinking that, that we want to respond to what that person's saying or we have a thought process that goes no, they said this, and I don't necessarily agree with that. Or maybe, you know, they're wrong in this instance, but that judgment can kind of cloud our ability to really hear what that person is saying and really listen to what they're trying to tell us, which very often goes beyond just the words that they're saying. And I think practicing hearing things, listening without judgment, without blame, without bias, as difficult as it is, that's how you're going to really get a connection to somebody, even if you can't 100% understand what they're going through or relate to what they're going through. It's very easy for human beings to to sympathize and even empathize, even if it's not something we've directly experienced. Many people haven't experienced military service and many in the military haven't experienced combat. So there's even different levels there where there's some people who have different roles within their service than those who were literally on the front lines. <clears throat> so having that understanding and listening without jumping to conclusions can can really be a great first step in, in trying to connect with somebody who's trying to connect with you because if they're telling you something important or just looking to have an ear to speak to they want you to listen to them they just want to be heard just like all of us do yeah yeah um okay so matthew tell us more about uh you're you're building your own practice mm -hmm. to the person listening who's like wait a minute this is exactly who i need to talk to and i don't know matthew yet Talk a little bit about what it's like to work with you. What are your plans for the future? How, we might even talk about it right now, like how how to get in touch with you. We're early in the podcast. We don't normally do this at the beginning, but <laughs> um, like all of that stuff, I'm just going to turn it over to you and sit back and listen. Talk to the person who has served in the military and they're looking for a resource like you. Kind of lay it out for us. What does this look like to work with you? Sure. So right now, um, so my 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 specialty is is I'm a marriage and family therapist. So the way that we have learned to view our perspective of the mental health field is looking at things more holistically. So we're not necessarily looking at just one person as the problem. Uh, I've treated individuals, couples, families, worked with kids of, of all different ages, uh, really as young as four years old, all the way up to 18, 19, even 21 year olds right before they're moving out of their home. And one of the things that I try to approach in my therapy sessions is looking at what else might be affecting that particular person or the couple system or the family system. It's very difficult to look at one person and just say, you're the problem or you're going through this. Or, you're the reason this is happening. No man is an island, which I know is a very cliche saying, but it's true. We're all affected by the environment that we're in, our work environment, our family environment, social environment. There's so many things that can exacerbate symptoms that somebody might have of any kind of mental health disorder that sometimes finding out what might be going on outside of the person can really help things too. So when I'm working with an individual person, we'll, we'll try to expand things beyond just them walking in and saying, I'm depressed and let's go through the symptoms and figure out what's going on. Instead, let's see what else is going on outside of you and what might be making it harder for you to 
address those issues or, or even just address the symptoms themselves. When I'm working with couples uh, or families as well, it helps to have different perspectives kind of come out at the same time. When I'm meeting with more than one person, I will do my best to make sure that everybody gets heard, everybody gets their voice in. And sometimes those voices can get very loud or sometimes they can get very quiet and people will just pull back and shut down. And when I'm in these sessions, I'm trying to make sure that that everybody really is able to work on what they're there to work on with me and get past some of those difficult barriers that we put up purposely or not. Um, right now, I'm focusing directly on telehealth sessions. So it is online, video okay. and audio. Good. Um, I'm uh, in process of having a... Uh, uh, an office space as well, hopefully within the next few weeks. Uh, again, I'm located in New York, so it's New York residents only when it comes to the in-person. Yeah. Um, online as well, um, but that's open to really anybody who wants to reach out to me. Uh, my website, I know you, you said we do this more towards the end, but <laughs> it's mjmwellnessny.com, just a quick plug. Um, but I have a whole calendar on there and people can sign up for sessions if they want to directly right on there. My number is on there as well. I could be called anytime. If I don't answer, I get back very quickly. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and I also provide a 15 minute session for any potential clients to sit down and talk face to face with me or virtually uh, and figure out what it is that they want to get out of therapy because not everybody has been to therapy before or not everybody knows exactly what to expect or what they're really looking to discuss. So having a, and it's a free 15 minute consultation, we'll just have a conversation. Let's talk about the details. Let's talk about what you want to get into. Sometimes that helps people feel a little more comfortable with engaging in the full process and you just take it from there and see how it goes. It's amazing. Okay. I love this, Matthew. Um, one thing I, I know I've noticed for like, say a plumber or an electrician is they're really good at helping everyone else with their plumbing and electrical needs. And usually when they go home, the last thing they want to do is plumbing and electrical. <laughs> They've done it all day. So um, their home turns into this mess because, you know, hey, I've done it all day. I don't, I don't have time for myself. For you in therapy, I've always been curious about this. I'm like, when I go to the dentist, I wonder, who's my dentist's dentist? Like, he can't do his own dentistry. He has to have someone do it for him. Mm -hmm. Like, do you have somebody that you kind of lean on or is there a resource that helps you as you help others? Like, how does all that work for you personally? Of course. So therapists need therapists. If you're in the mental health field, <laughs> yeah. most likely you know you need some additional help too. And that's okay because we try to keep in mind that it's okay to get help and we try to encourage that with anybody who's looking for help. It's okay to reach out when you need it. I've been in therapy uh, on and off throughout the years. I've always found it very helpful. I've dealt with my own issues, uh, issues of depression and anxiety. And therapies, you know, especially when you find a therapist that you're connecting with well, can, can really help you get over some of those barriers that are being created, again, purposely or not. Uh, and luckily for me, I also, uh, I've been married to my wife now since, uh, let's see, 2018. So this is going to be year six. Wow. Um, we've been together for about two years after, so eight years in total. And she's obviously been a wonderful support for me. And, and my therapy brain, as I call it, sometimes gets in the way a little bit. And she's somebody who's really good at, at grounding me and saying, okay, you're getting a little too far into the theory yeah. and all this. Let's, <laughs> let's settle down and focus on what we want to focus on. So um, I think having 
strong support systems is something I always advocate for and try my best to keep them within myself uh, in my own life as well. Whether it's my wife or I have some close friends I've uh, luckily known since high school. So we have a good relationship for many years. They are people I could rely on if I'm really struggling and, and vice versa. You know, I try to make it so it goes both ways. Um, and my dogs help too. And my little kids keep me busy. <laughs> well, so. There you go. You got the whole yeah. thing going on. I love uh, it. Uh, Matthew, one of the things I have had many conversations with dads on the podcast, listeners to the show as well. They, there's a few things that come to mind and seem quite common when I talk to dads. And maybe you can talk about this a little bit. But I noticed that, like for me, I'm an empty nester. My three kids are adults. They're out of the house. They're pursuing life. I'm happy for them. Um, so my life is a lot different than it was when they were small and everyone under one roof. It's a really weird feeling to know that they're not under my roof anymore. And that'll never mm. be the same as it was when they were small. So I'm kind of dealing with that as a dad with my wife. Uh, the two of us are now in this big house with just the two of us. It's weird. Mm. Uh, but what I hear from some of the dads that come on the show and dads I meet with is there's this overwhelming sense of dads struggling a little bit with identity uh, as the different seasons of their dad story changes from newborn to toddler and all the way up the line. And then, so the identi identity, and then they're also dealing with like loneliness and then uh, as a dad further on like me your social circle of friends true friends like you could call up and they'd come help you move mm -hmm. goes really really small and i'm hearing a stat that is like in my age group around my age group you have like maybe six friends that you could really count on and then maybe that's high number two i don't know but it just there's a lot of different things that men are dealing with and I'm just curious to get your idea to the dads listening on maybe some of those things on how can we show up or what are you seeing in your practice that seems to be some commonalities between some of the people you work with that maybe a dad today could get some inspiration from you as far as how we, how we live and show up better in the world. So I'll share a little bit about my own experience. So I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. Um, they both just turned four and two a few months back. So freshly running around the house and keeping dad and mom busy. But when my older one was born, he was actually born prior to COVID and all the shutdowns and, and everything that happened here. Uh, I'm sure you experienced similar where yeah. you are. And I wound up taking time off. of. So we were able to, to take some family leave, each of us. My wife took her 12 weeks. I took my 12 weeks. Uh, which luckily we had jobs that were very supportive of that too. It's not always common, unfortunately, getting a little more common. Um, and while I was home with my son, COVID kicked off. It all happened. And I was at home with a little newborn, just completely focused on him. I didn't have the news on. I was just doing what I could to get sleep when I could, take care of him however I could, waking up every couple hours in the middle of the night to help him out, rotating that with my wife, of course, who is so much better at that stuff than me. But, <laughs> but when I re-entered the world, so to speak, it was not only returning to a world I, I had not been engaged with for uh, almost three months, it was a completely new world in total. Everything was different. Every my, People were wearing masks in my office and we were rotating schedules and people were working remotely, which we'd never done in our particular office before. And 
I realize I've been removed from so many things for so not even a terribly long amount of time, but long enough where I kind of lost my place a little bit and had to readjust to everything. And on mm. top of being a new dad, which wow. <laughs> it threw so many things out of whack. And thankfully, you know, there was light at the end of that tunnel after really readjusting to everything and figuring out how we can take care of our son. Cause daycare wasn't an option at that point. Um, and I had friends who were in similar circumstances with young kids and we were all trying to navigate it together, but at the same time, feeling like we've entered this world that's so different than what it was before our, our kids were born that it became, it became difficult and it felt isolating. And, and I can understand how any new father can feel that even if you're not going through a pandemic event, having a newborn child is, is it's a 24 hour job whether you were prepared for it or not, there's always going to th yeah. be things that happen that you're not prepared for. And sometimes people get so caught up in, in that rightly so that they lose track of some of their outside connections too. Cause you're so focused on making sure this little tiny kid makes it through the night or is eating yeah. enough food or gets changed when he needs to get changed. And some of those hardest moments, which I, I've seen some of my own friends right now, one of them last night just announced his, his wife is pregnant so they're having, it's her second, it's his first, but this mm. is a whole new thing for him. He doesn't have any kids. So now it's like, oh, welcome to the club. Let's teach Ooh. you everything that we can teach you. And you're still not going to be prepared for it all. Yeah. But we, you know, my, my other friend and I, our little group, we, we have our own kids about the same age. So we know we want to make sure we keep him engaged. You know, we're still here. We'll help you out. You know, we'll have our game night on Fridays. You know, we'll, we'll make sure that you know that you're not doing this by yourself we're here and, and sometimes even just hearing that can really help somebody yeah and knowing you can reach out to somebody can can make a difference and i've seen that over the years in my therapy practice with people needing to re-identify some of the support systems that they have or that they hadn't thought of in in who knows how long sometimes there's family members you always had a good relationship with but you haven't engaged with them for whatever reason maybe now's the time to reconnect yeah. Um, there's a lot of things that people can do. And I think, again, sometimes we get caught up because we get sometimes very hyper-focused on one particular thing, which is not a bad or a good thing, but sometimes we lose sight of those things that are kind of on the peripheral. So I try to help people recognize that and very much try to keep that in mind for myself too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because when I was, when my firstborn was born, my biggest question to myself quietly on my own without telling anyone was, am I going to be enough mm -hmm. in all of this? Like my wife needs me in a new way. I'm going to have a newborn in my house. I'm going to have diapers to do. I don't know how to change a diaper. <laughs> I'm like, I, there's so much like now there's financial pressure. There's mm -hmm. future planning to, Oh, he's going to be in university. Like he's not even born yet. And I'm already <laughs> planning out all these yeah. things I have to do now. And I, I kept coming back to, am I going to be enough? Like, I have to show up in a new way and and there's no, again, there's no manual. And then when you walk out of the hospital, they wave at you goodbye and they don't come home with you. All of the great support of the nurses and doctors and all the care that you get while you're there at the hospital, they don't come home with you. And yeah. nobody told me that, right? <laughs> Give me some like, diapers and send you on your way. <laughs> yeah. They're like, see ya. <laughs> and I'm like, um, what if I mess this up? Mm. Yeah. What if I don't know if I've messed this up? I'm like so into my brain and into my thinking and thoughts that I'm like, I'm afraid that I'm not going to be enough. To a dad Absolutely. that's thinking that, yeah. what would you say, Matthew? 
Oh boy, <laughs> I think I could say to a new dad that we've all been through that. Okay. I remember making sure that I was holding him the right way or that I was yeah, yeah, yeah. being very careful with, yeah. with absolutely everything because you feel like you're holding this little porcelain doll that if he even, if the wind hits him in the wrong way, he's going to shatter. Yeah. Yeah. But um, we, we absolutely all go through that. And I think that's a very common thing. And I don't think that's necessarily the worst thing to feel either because it does make you a little more prepared for when something significant or something concerning really does happen. You get those... 103 fevers overnight that, you know, suddenly you're calling the doctor trying to figure out what to do. And then down the road, you get a little more used to it and you have a better idea of how to handle it. And that's something to keep in mind. Of course, there's no manual and and how your parents or family members or friends have raised their own kids doesn't necessarily mean that's what's going to work for you and your kids. But we've all been through it. We've all done it. We all have some experiences that can help or some knowledge that can help. And and it's okay to acknowledge that this is a new scary thing for you. And sometimes we are going to make those little mistakes. They happen. It doesn't mean that your child's going to be damaged for the rest of his life because you fed him an hour late one day. Things happen. We do our best. And, and I think the biggest thing is making sure that you're present and you're there and you're doing everything that you feel that you can. And when you're feeling like you're struggling, start to reach out to some of your support systems or utilize some of your coping skills that that you've developed or that maybe you've developed in therapy. There's always something that could be done. Even if it's walking away for five minutes, come back five minutes later, even just that little bit of breathing room can really help things out, Hmm. but know that we've all been through it. It's amazing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. From your, from your seat there, as you, as we sit together, I feel like (laughs) I get free, uh, free time with you. And I'm like, I'm going to get every minute out of this, Matthew, I can. Um, as, as husbands, partners, how can we show up better this week? Like, what can we practically do that you would suggest, you commonly seem to suggest to people as you meet with them, there's got to be some kind of commonalities you can kind of think back over. Mm-hmm. What can we do as husbands, partners, spouses this week to show up better for our partner? What can we do? Give us some tips. Sure. Communication is something that comes up a lot, especially when it's with new families. Your life adjusts in such a significant way that more often than not, that couple relationship starts to fall a little on the back burner. Again, that's something normal. We many of us have gone through. You know, now we have a new life in our world that we're trying to take care of and support, and it's it can be very emotionally and physically draining, and becomes your main focus. And sometimes you and your partner that time together that gets lost in the fray a bit. I think one of the biggest things is even if you can't have an entire night out together, try to schedule some time together where it's just the two of you. If you have a family member, a neighbor, a friend, somebody who can help you out with watching the kid or the kids for even just an hour or two, step away and give yourself some time together as a couple. Even if you're just walking around the block in the neighborhood, going to the park, going to a movie, it doesn't have to be a big elaborate date night, but, don't forget that you're there with another person, which of course doesn't explain every single family situation, but the majority of them where there's two partners involved, that couple relationship is important because as you might have some experience with, with your older Mm -hmm. kids, as they move out, suddenly you'll find uh, that couples who necessarily weren't connected with each other throughout the raising of their children, they're turning back towards each other now in their, their later years. And it's, what happened? Where did the couple go? We used to do all these things and we haven't done them for 20 years. Now what? 
So trying to make sure you're staying connected, even in the littlest ways, can really go a long way, especially long term in seeing these relationships that I've, I've worked with in the past. Love it. So uh, the our podcast is Dad Space, and it's designed for men and dads to talk dad stories. Have you on is amazing. First of all, thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you. But one thing I find quite interesting when I look at my stats for my podcast is 65% of my audience are female. That's really interesting. For the Dad Space podcast. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, uh, I thank you for listening to the podcast. I'm so glad you're here. So let's switch gears a little bit and honor the the amazing women that are listening to the show. Oh, absolutely. Um, for, in addition to all the amazing that you just laid out for us there, from a, a female point of view, what do men need in those early days as a dad from their partners? Can you give us any little insight from a female point of view that you've heard through your conversations? Because there's some dads going, oh, I'm passing my phone over to my wife, my partner right now for this part, for sure. So Matthew, no pressure, but there's uh, there's a lot of men here counting on your answer right now. Well, if you want to schedule an appointment with me, I'm <laughs> there you go. A salesman. Uh, bing. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> I think the biggest thing, and this was certainly something I dealt with myself, is, is having just that little bit of validation because we're both together and individually going through such a difficult time as a new father or even not as a new father, trying to figure out school and sports and homework and, you know, everything that comes along with, with your kid getting older and entering the bigger world. It's, it's especially towards the, the beginning, it was always helpful for me just to even hear just a little bit of, we're on the same page with this, we're okay, or we'll get through this, or you, you did okay in that particular moment. Because as I've said, I've dealt with my own anxiety before. And if yeah. I feel like I've done something wrong, it's, you know, all the, the flares kick up in my head and, and having a partner who was there to, to just even say, it's okay. And even if it was a mistake, we will make sure that we don't do it next time, or we'll find another way of encountering that particular situation i think that validation and and being heard knowing that your partner is there with you can go a real long way and i've been very lucky to have a partner like that and i know not everybody does or there's moments where it doesn't feel like you are yeah but that's another skill almost that could be practiced uh over time and you know your husband is probably or your partner is probably feeling as much stress and and anxiety as you are and it's okay to to connect with that a little bit and see, maybe we could do something about that. Or at least we know if we can't, we're in it together and we'll get through it together. Yeah. And then when you get to having three children, you're outnumbered. <laughs> and now and now somebody's got to take care of, yeah, it's crazy mm-hmm. it's when that happens. I loved it when we had two, because one for you and one for me, I got it. But yeah, that third one's like, oh, what do we do with this one? You know, how do we, how do we handle that? So um, if that's ever in the cards for you guys, good luck with that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's amazing. Okay, it's, before we jump off, Matthew, mm-hmm. share like a a golden dad story from your from your background with all of your amazing years with these kids so far. <laughs> There's got to be something that stands out. And you're like, I'm a freaking dad. Like this is so much fun. What it, what was it for you so far that just lights you up? What makes you happy to be a dad? Uh, I mean, honestly, right now, I could even say my older son is big into hugs and he'll just randomly come up to me and say, Dad, can I hug you? And I'm not going to say no to that. (laughs) That's his new thing. You know, Dad, I'm going to give you a hug and come at me. You know, it's great. It's it's wonderful. And he does it with his mother. He does it with his brother. But for some reason with me, he tends to do it a little more regularly. And it's it's always such a joy just to 
have him walk up to me. I could be in another room and dad, can I just give you a hug? Of course. And how can I say no to that? When our daughter, our middle, middle child, our daughter was born. My wife was so happy because we had a boy, we had Hadley, my daughter, and then Mm -hmm. another boy. So she's like, sweet. I have a girl. Yes. (laughs) I can do her hair. I can do all the stuff. Right. We do all girly stuff. And when my daughter was young, she had nice long hair and my wife would go to do her ponytails and Mm. she'd be like, no, daddy do it. Oh, (laughs) oh, you're talking about stress in the home right now because I was the only one allowed to do ponytails. My wife was not allowed to do ponytails and I'm not particularly good at ponytails, just so you know, (laughs) but that was my thing. And she was just be like staring me down as I'm doing the ponytail, right? Um, I just love that bond between parents and kids, right? Yeah. And what I try to encourage every dad I talk to, as an empty nester looking back, jealous of where you're at right now, right? Going, there will be a day when they're not under your roof anymore. You get 17, 18 summers. You get 17, 18 birthdays, holiday seasons. And then things get weird. Because they start seeing people and doing things and traveling and going to school and ah, all that stuff takes off. 17, 18 is not a lot of times to do something. And I can tell you the last time that I sat with my daughter in my big comfy chair in the living room watching TV, she climbed up on me and kind of, you know, did the whole snuggle thing. Mm -hmm. I can tell you the last time. And I knew it was the last time. And it was like, the, the most somber feeling ever to know that uh, that'll never happen again the way it did when she was little. I don't do her ponytails anymore because <laughs> she's like in her 20s. That would be weird. Uh, but there's a moment in time that's coming. And as much as you feel stressed out with school and things and food and feeding and all the cleaning and busyness and cleaning up toys, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. So enjoy it, savor it, love on them because 25 gifts on their birthday is going to mean very little because they don't remember any of those, Mm -hmm. but they remember those moments of daddy, I want to give you a hug like your son's doing. That's, that's going to stick with him for the rest of his life. Right. And shape his future. Right. Yeah. That's amazing. So stir that up. Stir that up. No, it's Great. good. And, and and it's it's something we both try to do our best is just be present in that moment and enjoy those moments, even the little tiny ones where he just wakes us up in the morning because he wants to play. Nice. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Okay, Matthew, before we jump off again, thank you for doing this. We kind of walked into this conversation going, what are we going to talk about? I don't know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> but obviously, you know exactly what you're talking about and you have such great resources for everyone listening Let's do it again from the top. Matthew, take us through the website. Take us through how we work with you, where you are most active online, social media, wherever, so that we can connect with you as well. Talk us through it. Mm -hmm. So my social media, uh, I'm primarily on Facebook and Instagram right now. It's MJM Wellness NY. My website is MJMWellnessNY.com. You can go on there and find out information about setting up a scheduled appointment with me. We could do our 15 minute consultation appointments, which are free of charge. I take a number of different insurances uh, throughout the state of New York, which I'm adding to all the time. So keep an eye on that. 
I also provide very low cost sessions for people who aren't going through insurance or who don't have insurance. I want to make sure therapy is accessible and affordable for people, even awesome. for those that don't have the ability to. Uh, I also have some information there. I'm posting some blogs occasionally with some little tips and some information about couples uh, therapy concepts or skill building concepts. So I try to keep it interesting. And a lot of those get posted on either my Instagram or my Facebook as well. Uh, my number's on the website too. I could be called for any questions that come up. My therapy is primarily telehealth right now. So it's done through the phone or an iPad. I think of it as doing it in the convenience of your home. And I have evening and weekend hours too. So it helps with families or couples that are working or have kids in school. So it gives a little more time to actually sit down on the couch and have a 45 minute session. Uh, and I will have office space soon coming up. Uh, that will be posted on my website once that's all set up, hopefully within the next month. And I think that that covers everything for the most part. So Matthew, any time in the future that you have a plan for something like this to do a podcast to help people with your message? You're, you're amazing at this, first of all. Oh, thank you. you. Thank so, you. Is there any possibility that might come down down the road, maybe? There is. My wife is the social media guru. She's the one who really is the one behind all of, you know, the, the back end stuff. And she's been discussing it with me and already has all these grand plans. So it could be coming down the pike soon. All right. Well, we'll be watching the website because there'll be all the information will be there in the future Absolutely. if that happens. And I hope it does because yes. you, brought, you brought so much value to our audience today. And it's great to have you on. And thank you so much. I'm, I'm so happy that we can point people in your direction. I think you're going to help continue to help many, many, many people. So, Matthew, thank you for doing this. Thank you. It was wonderful. And I, I really appreciate you having me on. Awesome. Go hug those kids. Okay. Yes. So I will. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you for doing this, Matthew. Right, thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to Dad Space today. I'm so thankful that you were here for this episode. If uh, you like the show, please let another dad know. Hey, <laughs> that kind of rhymed. Anyways, uh, share the episode out with somebody in your circle who would love Dad Space. That means so much to us here for our guests who donate their time to be on the show. And we just want to see this grow. So... Again, another rhyme. Oh, wow. Anyhow, <laughs> um, I think I need to write a song or something. Thank you for being here for with Dad Space. And again, looking forward to the next episode. Look forward to having you here again with us. And if we can help you in any way, if you have a great guest idea for the show, a topic that we would, you would love us to cover, we would love to do that here on Dad Space. So thanks for listening and thanks for being part of the community. And to you, Dad, thank you for listening. And thank you for sharing Dad Space. Catch you on the next one. Take care.